to the Clemson Podcast. It is August 22nd, 2017. The Hill Watch is at 11 days. The sun is back out shining over Death Valley, and life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today. Tully's still on a hiatus as he travels and prepares to do some upcoming interviews leading up to the start of the season. So we're here to discuss the latest ongoings of uh, Clemson's fall camp as we get prepared leading into the season. Cody, you getting excited? I'm, I'm very excited, Ben. Very excited. Well, I appreciate it. You actually, uh, for the second time in the row, we're at your place again. You're very hospitable. You, you, you got me beer waiting on me again. You did offer me day-old coffee. I could let that one slide. I offered you microwave coffee. It was from this morning because every good American person knows that you don't just throw out that coffee on the same day. You heat, reheat it first via the microwave. Well, you do if it's Folgers, which is what you got. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right, folks, so uh, welcome back again. If it's your first time listening to us, um, check out some of our past shows. If you haven't gotten to those yet, um, we've done some pretty good offensive and defensive previews, what to expect out of different position groups leading up into the season. Those are what we consider to be non-perishable episodes, so have some fun. If you have some time, go back and take a listen to those. And then always, you can engage with us on Facebook, Twitter, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Or subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Okay, so getting started here today, a lot of uh, interesting things uh, coming out of Clemson camp recently. There was another uh, scrimmage held, and of course, Kelly Bryant being named the starter. Uh, but first today, Cody, I think we'll start with the AP Top 25. It is fresh and out, uh, something for Clemson fans to complain about, as we always like to do with the polls leading into the season. Clemson debuts at number five. You think that's fair? I think it's fair. I think I, I listen to the Athlon a lot. If you haven't heard about the, their podcast, I think it's called Cover Two. It's another really good nationally focused podcast. They're high on Clemson, talk a lot about Clemson, talk about the national discussion. I think they, they section it off as seven teams that they've included in their top tier that actually have a chance of winning the national championship with maybe just a couple of like floaters, we'll call them, like Auburn and maybe Georgia. That could potentially get into that conversation. But generally speaking, seven teams. So I think I made the message or the, uh, the comment to you and, and another Clemson buddy that five might be optimistic. It's, it's definitely giving Clemson the benefit of the doubt, certainly on defense, which I think we deserve because there is a, a proven track record for, by, from Venables. However, on the offense, it's a, still a bit of a wild card because of the quarterback. So I, I was saying to you guys, I'm okay if we started a little bit lower at seven or even eight uh, behind teams like Washington, uh, USC, which we're currently behind them. And uh, I won't go so far as to say in Oklahoma State, but teams that already have a quarterback in the fold, I'm okay earning it in the first three games instead of just kind of being, having it handed to you. What, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Is it fair? Are we overranked? No, I don't think we're overranked at all. I, I think it's pretty fair where our position is. I do understand the concerns uh, with the loss of Deshaun Watson. Clemson is going to have to prove that, that they are a program. They're more than just one guy, the same way that Alabama is year in, year out. I mean, Alabama, you can just pencil them into that top spot you know, from now until Nick Saban retires, that seems to be the case. Um, and then you see Ohio State and Florida State up there ahead of us. No, no gripes about Florida State. They're going to have a really good football team. Uh, Ohio State, I look at them as a team we just whipped 31 to nothing last year, and we're bringing back a ton of talent just like they are. 
so I do scratch my head a little bit about that one, but I know that the the pollsters are you know, have a soft spot for Urban Meyer. I mean, great coach, no doubt about that. But Clemson whooped them up and down the field last year, so I do question that. Uh, Southern Cal, I'm they got them up at four. At first, I was it was a little curious to me how they can make such a big jump. Um, you know coming from where they did last year. But I went back and took a look at their season. You know, they did start one and three, but after that, they they ran off nine in a row with wins over number four, Washington, number five, Penn State, and the Rose Bowl, a fantastic Rose Bowl. All three of their losses were to ranked teams. And let's talk about QB Sam Darnold. He came on last year and really helped turn their season around. So they do have a pretty high ceiling, I think. Um, on the flip side of that, right behind us, number six, is Penn State. I think they're overrated. I think... You mentioned that you thought they might should be ahead of us. I don't see the logic in that. Um, maybe you can explain a little more, more about that to me, but I think they're in a very weak division in college football, same division the Ohio State is. I think I don't think they were a fluke last year necessarily, but I, I think things happened to go their way, and they're going to take a step back this year. Perhaps, and I don't know their, their roster from top to bottom. They have a really good running back, Barkley. They do. They know they have a good running back. I believe they are turning their starting quarterback um, and James Franklin has recruited really well. Um, I mean, not rel relative to Clemson, not at the same, you know, from top to, to bottom across the roster, it's not going to be the same level of talent, but a good team and a quarterback, uh, you know, veterans returning where Clemson, again, I, I'm just saying this is all kind of, um, it's, it's predicated on the question mark that is our, our quarterback that we Unlike on the defensive side of the ball, where we deserve every benefit of the doubt, we deserve um, to be overranked when possible because of Brent Venables, because of the recruiting. On the offensive side, we haven't had this. Like, there's no precedent that Tony and Elliott and and uh, and Jeff Scott can elevate a team uh, by just plugging in starters. Not to say it's not possible. I'm just I'm, I'm more of a let's take a wait and see approach. Um, of course, you have teams like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, both returning their quarterbacks. No defense. And again, top to bottom, where we have a lot more talent than them, but the most important position on, on the field, quarterback, they have, all, I guess you could say, all-conference players, at least caliber all-conference quarterbacks there. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll rebut by saying this. One, we have seen Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott do before when Cole Stout came in and beat Oklahoma uh, in that bowl game in Florida a few years ago. Um, so we've seen it once. I know that doesn't count as much as a whole season would, but it has happened before. And not to mention, okay, well, guess what Penn State didn't do? Penn State didn't win a national championship last year. We were coming off a national championship. We have more talented players than they do just because a quarterback leaves. Will we be having this conversation if Deshaun Watson stayed and, and Christian Wilkins left on the other side of the ball? No, they'd have us up there with Alabama and Ohio State, one, two, maybe even number one. But that gets to my point of Clemson's going to have to prove, I think they're already there, but they're going to have to prove it first that they are more than just one player, that this is a solidly built, well-rounded program that's going to be there year in and year out. It can take a hit or two, loss of the draft players leaving early, because that's going to happen with all the five-star talent that we were bringing in. So they just have to prove that they're a program and not a one-person team, like Auburn and Cam Newton were a few years ago. Well, you know, there's a lot of different things there. You said we won the national championship, and let's point to that. And I don't think you can let – Went two, two years in a row, too. 2016, well, even so, you can't allow that to establish your baseline of how good this offense will be because look at Clemson versus Alabama in 2016 when we won the Natty. Who was the most important player on the field? It was Deshaun Watson. Not to say Kelly Bryant can't give you 80% of that or Hunter Johnson can't give you 80% of that, but right now we know how important he was. Um, you, you looked at every all throughout that roster – uh, Clemson's versus Alabama's, they had more talent than us. Um, not about, maybe not a whole stretch or, or a big stretch, but it was, it was, it was, they were better. Deshaun Watson, because he played quarterback, the most important position on the field, he's what got us over that hump and was able to, I guess, you, you know, mitigate that talent difference. He's helped what has bridged the gap between uh, average to above average offensive line to what this year looks to be a great offensive line. Uh, Brent Vittables and his uh, defensive play calling and his scheming and the talented defensive front and a linebacker like Ben Bulware over the last couple of years has helped us mask some of our issues in the secondary, which by all accounts uh, stands to be much improved this year with the depth at cornerback um, and the talent that we have at the safety position. 
So that's what I'm saying. I understand that the last couple of years that Deshaun Watson and a couple of these talented guys in the defense had a lot to do with that. But during that same period of time, Clemson has been building off of that and recruiting phenomenally and is so deep at every position with really talented guys to where we're seeing it change from a one-person team to a more complete program. And that's why I don't blame people for not giving us the benefit of the doubt in that aspect yet because we haven't shown it. What I'm saying is I think we're going to show it. Talk about last year, building off of last year, using that as a platform or a barometer to say how we're going to be this year. I understand that, but the same could be said for Penn State. What have they done outside of last year recently? Well, we're talking about you were taught you referencing last year, and well, why would you even go to two years to try to draw any conclusions for this year? But so, I mean, yeah, we, we can kind of talk about last year, and you know, you and I could probably argue, debate, discuss this for hours on end. I will say, plugging in defend, defenders into a, a, a well built machine that is Brent Venable's defense, and and plugging in guys that are supremely talented, it, it makes for uh, what we've seen over the last three or four years, like there's very little drop off. You see the same product, you lose eight starters, plug in some five, four stars, and wow, it's a, the same damn thing. Offense is not the same. There's a little bit more timing. There's cohesion. There's chemistry. Um, there's a quarterback that is the one that if he, if for any reason, you know, his head's in the wrong spot or you know his confidence starts to dwindle, that's an issue. And that's why I think like. And I'm not saying, hey, Clemson deserves to be out of the top 15 or anything like that. All I'm saying is seven or eight, you have Auburn in game two, you have Louisville in game three. We will prove it or we won't prove it, but like, what's so wrong? I don't think it's like, it's not not giving respect by putting Clemson at eight or even nine potentially to start the season. I would, I would love are we, are we Are we so spoiled as Clemson fan now that we, we expect this? No, but you do deserve some amount of respect. And I think you see that in the number five ranking um, coming off of being a national champion. I would like to look at the national champions from the last several years, and granted, I haven't done this research, and see where they started in the polls the following year. I think that would be a good statistic oh, to see. Add the caveat, trans, uh, transcendent quarterback. But go ahead. Who do you, who you have? True. Um, well, no, I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I would love oh, to okay. do the research and, and see what that is. I think Clemson fits comfortably at number five. I question some of the teams around them. Again, I would question Ohio State. Well, they had a lot of really good talent last year, and they had a pretty good season, but they got whooped by Clemson 31 to nothing. That wasn't all Deshaun Watson. That was a goose egg on their scoreboard. That was the defense. You we, know, we didn't need Deshaun Watson to beat them last year. We lost to Pittsburgh last year. We, let's don't take one-game samples and, make, and extrapolate that across a whole season. We didn't this lose to them by 31. <laughs> we lost to Pittsburgh last year. <laughs> Anyhow, but no, I, I, I do, I, you, you do have a point there because it was our defense that I think that's stymied OSU uh, more so than our offense dominating uh, their, their defense. But just, you know, just something to factor in. Well, and I guess the two teams that I'm focusing on around us, Southern Cal and Penn State, Clemson won the national championship. Their opponents, a 641 winning percentage last year. Southern Cal, 563. Penn State, 555. The competition they're playing is not as good either. So these guys that are coming back for Clemson not only have a lot of them played against Alabama two years in a row for the national championship, they won last year, and they've been playing increasingly better competition than these other teams around them. I know they haven't been the starters the whole time, and you know half the team is new, but these guys have experience. There's a standard set at Clemson. It has been nothing but it's been on nothing but an upward trajectory for several years now. I do expect some fallback after winning and losing to Sean Watson. Absolutely. Do I think we fall out of the top 10 this year? I don't expect that right now. I think we stay in, for the most part, the top 10 all year long. Maybe slip to like 11 or 12 or 13, but I think at the end of the year, we definitely end up in that top 10, probably top five. I think we're that talented. Yeah, and let me say that as well. That I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that starting at 8 or 9 or, hell, even at 12 – means that we're not even potentially a playoff team. It just means starting the year at this point in time, I'm okay if you label us the eighth or ninth best team. And uh, I will say, you know, from time to time, I'll listen to Mickey Plyler's radio show because you can now stream it online. And, you know, some things I've been thinking about Tony Elliott, Mickey talks about Tony Elliott a lot and how he's one like just brilliant. Like he is a really smart dude. If you ever listen to him in interviews, that dude, I mean, he is good. I think he's, if you want me to like throw in a little bit, like a, a little bit of optimism, I, I think I'm, I'm I'm starting to come around on him more, and I think if there was ever like a learning curve for him, I think he probably got to you know go through his lumps in those first two years, and I think he is an improving and potentially a really good, if not great, offensive coordinator. Right, and is that learning curve masked somewhat by the greatness of Deshaun Watson? 
Right, right. It's, so it's good when you can don't, have that learning curve. Don't with get me Deshaun wrong. Don't community. get me wrong. All the stars have certainly aligned. Um, one other stat that I'll throw out there, and of course, it makes it harder the higher up you start in the polls. Uh, Clemson is the only team that hasn't finished lower than their preseason ranking in each of the last six years. So that's proof. Proof is in the pudding. Now we haven't. Uh, where did we start last year? We were in the top five. We're two. We're yeah, two. we were two. Um, and we started. And uh, we ended up at one. There's, there's not yeah. much room for error in that one. So uh, A nice bump the year before. I think yeah. it was like 13 to 2, you know. Sure. So we have seen this consistent rise as a program. Again, that upward trajectory is not going to continue uh, on that path. Year in and year out, the better you get because it's just hard to stay at the top with the turnover, guys leaving after three years, which has become a new thing for Clemson just because of the talent we're bringing in. But just look at the body of work as a program. I think you're seeing the respect from the pollsters from the AP with that top five ranking. Um, and I think probably Clemson fans, most Clemson fans probably would have an argument uh, with Southern Cal and Ohio State being above us. I don't necessarily with Southern Cal. I question I want to see Ohio State on the field. I do not at all with Florida State or Alabama. Um, we prove it this year, and we make it, say, back to the playoff or even the national championship game, which is probably a stretch given we do not know the – the quarterback situation right now because we have not seen any of them play meaningful steps in a game. Um, I'm just saying that it would not surprise me. And if we end up doing that coming into the season following that, then you're starting to see Clemson as a program, not just one player. I can't disagree with that, but I, I, there's a, it's a, a, a big hill to climb this year and it's okay. It's okay. If we were, if we're nine and three, if we're 10 and two, it, it stinks that the defense is going to be that good, and if we would, you know, we would still lose two or three games. But uh, I wouldn't compare us. The only thing I, I'm I'm totally totally in disagreement with you on is the Ohio State thing. Maybe USC, uh, maybe even Florida State. Heck, like you know, they have a lot of talent throughout the roster, and I'm I'm not sold that uh, Francois is there yet. You know, maybe he is. But Ohio State, man, that is a good team. They uh, they have returned a lot. They've recruited better better than Clemson. To be fair, they returned a lot of guys that lost to Clemson thirty-one nothing last year. <laughs> no one in their right mind, and including me, and give me you know give me the Vegas sides. I'm going to take Ohio State every day of the week right now over Clemson. And, and I, I let's don't let's don't like Urban Meyer is not a hack. Like why have we just because we beat him one time and and that was because the defense was just custom made, custom built to stop that type of offense. Cody, were you aware that he's only been shut out once in his career? Yeah, so it probably won't happen again. And I, I, Maybe I think, we're starting I think you're going to be – we should take some sound bites because I think you'll be eating crow if we were to play them again, at least early in the season. And granted, that's not going to happen. But not uh, saying we, we're not – we can't catch up to them by the end of the year, but they're a good team. I'll just say this. And Urban Meyer's a good coach. If there's two teams I don't mind seeing us match up against in a bowl game, it's Ohio State and Oklahoma. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll, ta- I'll take Oklahoma. I'll give you that. <laughs> so before we get off this subject, uh, just – Again, continuing this early look at the top 25, looking at who's on Clemson's schedule and speaking to the difficulty of it, Florida State sits at number three. They actually got four first-place votes. Auburn at number 12, that's the second game of the season. Louisville at number 16, that's the third game of the season. And then Virginia Tech at 21, that's the fifth game of the season. That's a pretty loaded, front-loaded schedule. Florida State coming end of October, early November like usual, but uh, that's a tough schedule with, with some other uh, ACC teams that Clemson plays uh, lurking not behind in that 25 to 35 range or 26 to 35 range yeah no that that is quite a schedule that's a gauntlet and again we talked about it during our last episode it's it's a t- it was tougher than we even realized i think i think we've really recalibrated this offseason to realize the acc was probably the best conference in uh, college football last season maybe not by a wide margin and like as we talked about I don't think the trajectory is in place for us to continue in, in that with this trend i think to see some regression from the ACC, but no, it's a, it's a heck of a schedule. So if, if anything, we talked about 93, 10 and two season, there is no shame in that. Um, you know, if all things don't fall right on offense or, or whatever the case. No, I mean, there's shame if you're playing the ACC of five years ago, but we're not, uh, we discussed this in the last episode. It's a much improved ACC. And I, I think for the time being, you're going to continue to see the stock of the conference rise. Uh, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. I'll tell you who's not in the top 25. That's South Carolina. Talked to my friend from South Carolina today, and I thought he was going to be optimistic. I said, hey, how do you feel? He's like, ah, we're, we'll be okay. We're not going to be very good. 
I really, I really thought there was more optimism, and my friend is one of the more rational and unbiased guys, but he did say that, um, he's like, yeah, we'll be like a win, maybe two wins better, but eh, we're, he's not really like a... We're glad to hear they're coming together. No SEC East, like, you know. The SEC East is nothing to write home about. Uh, so last thing here, more again, things poking at Clemson fans to get us riled up. Notre Dame, 25 to 1 odds to win the natty. Clemson, 30 to 1. Cody, what's your take on that? So, what is it? We're it was sixty one was Notre Dame starting odds, and we were like twenty five to one or twenty to one. Twenty, we were twenty to one. Yeah, and like, people don't realize I'm you know I'm I'm a big uh, Vegas enthusiast. I you know I like to gamble for fun sometimes. I don't you know I'm not ashamed to admit that. This is all about like a, when a line moves like that. It's not because like when it goes from sixty to one was their starting position to. Uh, twenty to one. Twenty-five to one. Twenty-five to one. It's not because they, uh, you know, Cam Newton didn't come to become their quarterback or he didn't arrive to their campus. It's just because the the betting public, a lot of Notre Dame fans, a huge uh, alumni base that they have, uh, it, it they're going to move the line. That's all that. That's all that is. And Clemson fans, you know, the good God fearing, you know, Southerners that most of them are, they're not putting a lot of money on, you know, in Vegas, and the and the alumni base just isn't as big. Well, that's those, all that is. That's all that is. Well, and for those who listened last year to the podcast, uh, as Cody and Tully banged their head uh, <laughs> against the wall with me commenting on Vegas odds, I have no clue. I, I don't care anything about this. There, there's two things that I know. Is that Notre Dame won four games last year against Nevada, Syracuse, Army, and Miami. And number two, a lot of the fans betting on them are going to lose some money this year. They will indeed, and I don't think anyone's arguing that. That's just just trying to say that how that line is set. And one other thing, um, Michigan, twelve to one. Like Louisville, actually, I'm a little concerned about Louisville. Louisville is ten to one. Ohio State, these big, big uh, national, big brand universities, they're just going to have a lot of alumni. They're going to go to Vegas and put in money, and that's that's all that is. It's all that's a reflection of. Betting five bucks on Clemson. Do you right. know how that works? Do you know what your payout would be, Ben? Quick math. Ben? I have no clue. Is that a hundred bucks? One hundred fifty bucks? Yes. So yeah, thirty to one. I think that's a like a great value. So if if Clemson fans are really feeling that it's going to be the year that Kelly Bryant is like Cam Newton, like waiting to happen, hey, go make a lot of money off of it. Okay. So as you know, this bores me to death. Uh, let's move on to the starting quarterback. <laughs> So this week, Dabo coming out, naming Kelly Bryant the starting quarterback. This is pretty much as we expected. We've heard nothing but good things from him in fall camp. The coaches are saying that he's really come a long way in the offseason. He's really, uh, and in fall camp, he's really taken control of his offense. And his passing game has improved to the point where it's actually multidimensional, which is more than we could hope for, I thought. I think, at this point. Yeah, we've heard numerous reports including Alex Kraft, our guy at STS, who went and watched the scrimmage last Saturday. He is, they, they, he said it's not like, it's not mediocrity rising at the top. It's, it, he feels like there's three very competent quarterbacks, and Kelly Bryant looks like a completely different product. From everyone we heard, completely different product than he did last year. And if that's the case, then I think, you know, going back to our first discussion here, like, there is reason for us to like be knocking on the door of a, of a playoff contention, um, and and good for Kelly Bryant. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to see the product on the field, but I could not be happier for this guy. He's coming in on the coattails of Deshaun Watson. That's a hard enough position to be put in, but then you also have very talented quarterbacks on the roster behind him. In addition to the four stars. You've got the number one quarterback recruit in the country from last year, five-star Hunter Johnson. So that's a lot of pressure on the guy to live up to Sean Watson's uh, legacy and then come and beat out these other very talented quarterbacks who have less pressure on them. So, again, couldn't be happier. Love to see the fact that the, the, the pressure has not phased him one bit and he's really taken control and ownership of this team and his confidence, as of right now, is through the roof. They always say too, and this is a cliche, but whenever your your best player is also your best leader, or vice versa, like that's a good thing. And naturally, that quarterback, he is going to be the team's at the very least, he's going to be the most important player. We can we can say that. Um, you know, I, I, we ta- we've talked I think last two weeks about this. 
And at one point, it, like Hunter Johnson was making it a two horse race. Now it looks like it's obviously it's Kelly Bryant starting. What do you uh, what do you think of like the number two guy, and how does this play out in terms of who is going to be getting the reps? Because I don't I don't feel like it's a good idea to do all three in in game one and two. Well, the coaches are saying that all three are going to play this year, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, you have to play Hunter Johnson and Zarek Cooper. Of course, you have to play because uh, he's in his redshirt freshman season. You got to get the kid on the field. He's a four star with an amazing arm and a lot of talent. So you're, I think you're going to see them all play. I don't know how that's going to happen, again, with this very front-loaded schedule. Um, first, the reason that Kelly Bryant's on the field, in addition to the other things we've talked about, is he's been incredibly consistent, whereas the other two haven't been, which makes sense because they're freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Um, but that being said, the other two guys, they've seen a lot of great things out of them. So it remains to be seen how the quarterback battle is going to continue to play out. Obviously, Kelly Bryant, the starter going in, which makes sense at this point, You've got a week and a half left of, of fall practice. You need to get your quarterback out there making all first-team reps, building that chemistry with the starting offensive linemen, the wide receivers, the running backs. Uh, but this is not something that's going to die. And not from the coaches are going to continue to push all of them. But you know the fans are going to be questioning too. Every errant pass from Kelly Bryant, any interception, any mistake, fans are going to be questioning should these other guys go in. Uh, I think winning is the ultimate cure for that. Uh, but I honestly don't think that Kelly Bryant can just afford to keep seeing this team win games and putting it all on the defense. Like, I think you're going to have to see things actually go well in the offense and the offense be productive because I don't think winning alone keeps him the starting job. Right. And you, you, you through Kent State, we're not going to get the, the accurate lens of what – it's not going to give you the right template for what Auburn will be. Right. The, the defense uh, from their uh, uh, Auburn's front four, a very athletic group and uh, returning another good group. You're just not going to see that from Kent State. So you're not going to be able to kind of recreate that. Um, you know, I, I think <laughs> I think there's not a whole lot we can draw from that first game necessarily. But maybe to another point, like what do we put out there in that first game too? Uh, you know, like do we? How much do we show our hand with our offense for this new look offense that's going to be kind of oriented to Kelly Bryant? Well, I think the number one thing you want to see is you want to see this offensive line driving off the ball, creating holes, get the running game going early, start to dominate that aspect, and then let Kelly Bryant get out there and make some throws. I mentioned this before. This isn't Deshaun Watson out there who's going to get yanked halfway through the the, the second quarter when we're up twenty eight to nothing. I think you have to keep Kelly Bryant in there well through the third quarter because he has never started a game in college football before. He's only thrown a one he would throw one or two passes last year, completed one or two passes. You're going to have to see him out there. You're going to have to see him prove it. He needs to get in there in a game for most of a game to get the confidence behind him, get momentum behind him. I think towards the end of the game, we build a big enough lead. You're going to see Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson come in there and get a few series, a couple series uh, apiece. But I think Kelly Bryant has to play the majority of the game. Yeah, and like you said, the confidence is in Kelly Bryant. That's what the coaches have, have said. The in inconsistency from Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson, they break down uh, like at moments where they just make mistakes, complete mental you know, gaps. You know, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think we've sold Zarek Cooper a little bit short because he does have a year in the system, and he is – he's – not some like chump, you know, three star, two star that that just showed up and is trying to get in get in the chase. He's got a lot of arm talent. They've they've compared it a little bit to Deshaun, and they said he's probably the the most talented in, for, in terms of some of the no, things he can do with his arm. He's going to start for a D Division one college team at some point in his college career, whether it's Clemson or it's somewhere else. He's going to be a starter. <laughs> Would it be just great if if one of these guys was just an arrogant, you know, guy like Chad Kelly to make this a lot e make this decision a lot easier. Somebody that we hate, we don't yeah. Right. No, but no, they're all <laughs> they're all great kids. They're all great kids, yeah. Um yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting. I, I don't even want to like predict how it'll play out, but you got to get Hunter Johnson reps, you got to get uh Zarek Cooper reps. The question and, is how do you do that with that front-loaded schedule? I mean, again, I mentioned Kent State, I think you have to play Kelly Bryant in there a good bit, but then you got Auburn and Louisville right after that, and then Boston College sandwiched uh, in between Louisville and Virginia Tech. I mean, that's a tough schedule to start the season. Where do you fit these other guys in? Are we going to be blowing people out, these teams out that much that you get these other guys' reps? Do you have certain packages called for them to come in there? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the that's got to be the play. I, 
I think you have to, I think Tony Elliott, I think they decide on a number two. Like, we know who the number one is. I think what it really comes down to from this point to the start of the season, and maybe it'll get, you know, uh, firmed out is during the Kent State game, who is the number two? Because I don't think you can keep rotating some, like, three three uh, quarterbacks in. you got to find if it's Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper. And I think you're right. I think you do have Kelly Bryant in, in certain, certain situations. You see how that number two guy is, and we're not going to say it's going to be H.J. It may not be. But you rotate him in because they serve a very similar function in terms of what they offer in terms of their skill set. I think you find some balance there. If if Kelly Bryant is just cannot hit the backside of a barn with his arm, that's when you see whoever that number two guy, that's when you see potentially, and I don't think this is a good thing, but you would see him supplant Kelly Bryant from that point. So I guess that leads me into my next question. How long, and I hate to ask this uh, because we got to give the, the, the kid a chance to succeed. How long does Kelly Bryant remain the starter on this team? We've heard from a lot of uh, uh, media that's been covering Clemson, and they, for the most part, say it's only a matter of time before Hunter Johnson takes over this team this year. One of the most credible, I think you and I both agree, is, is Tiger Illustrated. Right. Uh, guys like Larry Williams and Paul Strilo have said it'll be a matter of time because Hunter Johnson, they think Hunter Johnson's talent is that immense I don't know though. I don't know. I think what they're. I think people are kind of jumping on board the Kelly Bryant or uh, yeah, the Kelly Bryant's train. I think people are a little bit more sold on him now. And let me say, in this offense that we have, with a what I think is 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 more than above average, a good to potentially great offensive line. I think that's fair to say. When you can run the ball like he can, and you, and you can and do misdirection with the guys that we have, uh, like like Ray McLeod and Amari Rogers, etc., I, I think you can become very dynamic and, and be a huge threat uh, in those zone read situations, um, RPOs, play action. Like you can really do some a lot of things and be very creative. Well, that's the other thing. You're gonna well, two things on that front. There's no denying he's an incredible talent running the ball. He's going to be subjected to more hits this year than Deshaun Watson was last year because he's going to be carrying the ball more. So it's good to have that backup quarterback death, even if it's just to come and spell him for a couple series or for part of a game if he sustains some minor injury. Then also, this offense is going to rely heavily on the running game this year. So getting behind the chains is is not going to help that cause. And that's where Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper making the mistakes they're making in practice is really, would really hurt the team. The fact that Kelly Bryant's been consistent – if he's a guy that can keep us ahead of the chains and we can rely more on the running game, including his running ability with situational strategic passing, that's where that I mean that's your best bet right there, right now. Well, we talked about it a little bit a few weeks weeks ago, but yeah, there's there is a precedent for that, and it's I think it's Cam Newton and, and Nick Marshall. I think Nick Marshall maybe even more so. You gotta have, you have to balance it out. If you're we always talk about if you're a pitcher and you have your fastball, you have to have some type of off speed pitch. Kelly Bryant for the, his off-speed pitch is just it's some intermediate, uh, maybe a little bit downfield um, passing game. And apparently, according to Alex Kraft and others, he's hit on some of those intermediate routes, and he looks confident. Maybe that's all it is. Well, and the other thing to go with that, you know, going for you know for that deeper ball. If Kelly Bryant was coming in throwing to Amari Rogers or excuse me, Artavis Scott and Mike Williams and Jordan Jordan Leggett this year, we'd all feel a lot better about him putting the ball up in the air for those 50-50 balls. We feel less so this year until we see Deion Kane, DeAndre Overton, um, Rayer McLeod, and guys like that do that, right? So he is going, he's not going to have the success right away, uh, and he's not going to be able to take the risk or have the confidence to take the risk unless those guys are proving they're able to make those plays that the guys last year did. So I'll leave it to this winning cures all ills. I think as long as we're winning, the offense is serviceable, that he remains the starter. If you see this team start one and two with losses against Auburn and Louisville, or two and three, uh, throwing another loss to Virginia Tech, then I think you will see a quarterback change at that point. Alternatively, if we early in the season, sustaining one or two losses, get eliminated from the ACC early on, I think that's also when you may see a move. It'd be different if we didn't have a guy like Zarek Cooper or Hunter Johnson behind him. If it was Kelly Bryant and a couple of three stars, I think they would work him through that. But so much talent's there. And at that point, if you fall out of ACC contention, the season's lost for the most part. You need to keep rebuilding for next year. I think that's a situation where you see a change. 
Yeah, I mean, I hate to say that. We don't like to think about that scenario, but that's exact. That's the only way you could see it. How did we get to two and three? And, and nothing against Auburn. I think they have a chance to be a good team, and same for Louisville. But with our defense, if something's not working and we do lose those two games and potentially a third game to Virginia Tech, it, it, there's something with the offense that's probably not flowing right, and you know, and that's probably going to be uh, on Kelly Bryant. Yeah, at that point, we go we go full steam ahead with Johnson or, or Cooper. And again, this is all speculation at this point, uh, speculation on how good Kelly Bryant is going to be or is. We haven't seen the practices. It's also speculation of is the offense going to be able to establish a dominant run game. Maybe that carries us, and Kelly Bryant does just fine. We don't know yet. We're going to have to see how the season plays out. We're talking about three losses. We've only seen two in the last two years. Speculation, we're going to have to see. How it plays out, the interesting talking point about this is Clemson has not been in a position like this in quite some time. And the stakes are higher because we're coming off a national championship. It's going to be very intriguing to see how this plays out. All right, so let's move on from the quarterbacks. Let's talk about the freshmen. Okay, so we've talked about Hunter Johnson. We all expect that he's going to play at some point this year. There's some other guys uh, – that Dabo has come out this week and said that they're definitely going to play. That's Amari Rogers, that's T. Higgins, that's A.J. Terrell, uh, all heralded guys uh, from last year's recruiting class, T. Higgins and A.J. Terrell being five stars, Amari Rogers being a high four-star, and from the sound of things, he's been the guy that's most impressed so far in fall practice. Yeah, he came in, looked ready-made. I don't think this is a big surprise. If you look at him, like if you could – draw up a Ray Ray McLeod and a, and a, uh, Artavis Scott clone in a lab. I think that's, that's our Mario Rogers. Like he, you know, he's, he has the pedigree with his dad and, and, you know, talk, combine that with just a, a really, a really good frame already as a freshman. I and mean, he's only five, nine, but I, I don't think we're expecting, we're not expecting him to be the big body receiver. He's in that two position. And, uh, no, I, I, I think that's good. I, you know, you hear some talk, and we'll talk about this later about Ray Ray moving to wide receiver. I don't think cornerback. Or I'm sorry, cornerback. I apologize. I don't think it has anything to do with his emergence, but it does help in the case that if for whatever reason Ray Ray does move to cornerback, then I, I feel like you have a guy that is, again, he's ready made. And we'll talk about Ray Ray to cornerback here uh, coming up, but I think you're right. I think the two things are divorced from each other. I think the reason that we knew that Amari Rogers was a talent. Uh, I think the reason why he's turned a lot of heads uh, is because he's actually pressing now for significant playing time. You've got Ray Ray McLeod, you've got Cornell Power, uh, Powell there, the two spot. You know, Ray Ray has all the talent and all the potential in the world. Cornell Powell, highly touted recruit coming into last year, got some playing time, so he has experience. So they expected that Amari Rogers wasn't, they didn't need him to come in and make a significant a- impact, but. Uh, you know, this is a guy who impressed early on in fall camp, and we, we've seen this over the years, that you have some freshmen come in, uh, they look spectacular in the first one or two weeks in fall camp, and then they just hit a wall. Amari's a guy that they said that has not happened to. He has powered through it, and he stands to log significant stats this year, I think. I think so. I think so. And then I think you're going to see a lot of shuffling, lots of shuffling. And with maybe moving to T. Higgins, he has looked really good. And I think... But we expected that out of him. The coaches expected that out of him. He's the five-star. We expected him to come in and push for playing time right away. Yeah, and, you know, it, I think it's – we expected – obviously, Mario Rogers has exceeded our expectations. You know, we, we thought he was going to be good. We didn't know he would be potentially this good this soon. We expected T to be good as well, but I think, like, you hear people talking about him. It's just one of those things. It's kind of like – it reminds me a little bit of Big Dex from last year when you get these guys that are just their physical gifts or just, like, have people, they just shake their head and they smile – and I think that you get a little bit of that from from T. Higgins. Not to say that he's going to be you know ready to go and in like still a starting role. I don't think he's going to do that. But I think he's going to make a few plays that you're just going to just shake your head and be like, "Wow." Well, I totally agree. But the, the the interesting thing is ahead of him, you've got Deion Kane. We expect him to take another big step this year and become an elite wide receiver. You've got DeAndre Overton, who we're hearing really great things about. He's put on that that muscle and that mass that he's needed to really go out there and be a dominant receiver that nine position. So, and then you got T Higgins. I mean, that's a, that's a tall ladder for him to climb. And again, comparing that to Amari Rogers, you're hearing Ray Ray is going to play 15% of the time on defense. You're not hearing a lot out of Cornell power. You're hearing more about how well Amari Rogers has done. I don't think coming into this year, 
we would have thought that Amari Rogers might possibly get more snaps than T. Higgins. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could say that. And I mean, that would be fair. Um, I would say, you know, maybe an interesting storyline that we can look at that'll, that'll fly under the radar is Hunter Renfro. How big of an impact will he have on this team? Because with, with Deshaun Watson, who is just, uh, you know, otherworldly in terms of college quarterbacks. Well, you know me. I consider Deshaun Watson 1A, Hunter Renfro 1B in terms of legacy Clemson history. Greatest players of all time. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you called it, too. But, no, with, with Hunter Renfro, like, with the precision, the route running, and being in the right place, I don't know if, if – it'll be interesting to see if Kelly Bryant can maintain that same relationship with him or if, if he's going to be more relegated to hitting a guy, um, like on a backfield throw to a nine receiver. Again, that would be a guy like Deion Kane or Overton or T. Higgins. I would, lo- I would love to see him develop that same, at least a similar type of chemistry with Hunter Renfro. And the only reason I talk about him as we're talking about freshmen is if he can't, and, and it requires more uh, a different type of receiver in that slot position, maybe that leaves the – I mean, uh, Hunter Renfro is amazing. But maybe that leaves the door open a little bit for Overton or someone to slide in there. But again, TJ Chase is the other guy that's looked really good, and it's not hyperbole. He really is looking good. And all of this to say, all these great wide receivers, which Clemson typically goes pretty deep, this may be the deepest wide receiver group that we've seen at Clemson. That's only going to help Kelly Bryant if they all pan out. Right, and we haven't even talked. I mean, then there's Trevian, Trevion Thompson, who is the oldest guy in the group. It's, it really is an embarrassment of riches, but what you hope is that the top guys not only play, but get to improve, guys like if it's T. Higgins, because we want to get the best out of these guys. We don't want to get like, you know, 80% of T. Higgins from someone else. We want to get the, those five stars or whoever the, the best player is and, and obviously let their talent shine. So, Well, and no matter what, I mean, you know, yes, you want the cream to rise to the top. You want to have those guys get the most playing time, but... Clemson's philosophy is go as deep as you can there at those positions, wear down the opposing team's cornerbacks, go from there. Okay, keeping it on offense, one guy that's on the bubble, but we've heard so many good things about Travis Etienne. I'm not even sure he's on the bubble anymore. The coaches are still saying he is. It would not surprise me to see him as the number three running back a few games into the season. So a few things. As of today, we saw reports that he is the number three Running back, we saw we saw Feaster one, Fuller two, and and Eddie in three, choice four. We'll see, you know, we'll see if that if that holds uh, through into the the first game. But I'll say, like you and I have talked about this offline, he is the most, uh, I guess, welcome surprise. That I will just call him the most, the biggest surprise of a, a freshman on campus that I can think of in the Dabo Sweeney era. And I, I mentioned to you Sammy Watkins. And the only reason I mentioned Sammy Watkins is because even though he came in as a, you know, kind of a fringe high four-star, five-star type player, we didn't expect him to be so damn good. And, like, everyone was talking him up. And sure enough, he got that first, that screen pass, took it to the house, and we're like, wow, jaw dropped. Well, Edian's not quite, you know, not quite that talent level, not that stratosphere. But he is turning heads, breakaway plays, running like a man that's possessed. They say he's been the most dynamic running back, making the biggest plays in all of fall camp. And we're talking about a high three-star and a you know, low four-star potential. Right. I mean, the comparisons between him and Sammy Watkins end at the fact that they both enrolled uh, during the fall, not the spring. Right. I mean, we right. expected things out of Sammy Watkins. We were hopeful for Travis Etienne. We expected him to come in this year, red shirt, get some experience, come in next year, maybe start to dent the three deep. He could find himself as the number two running back if things keep going. Now, there's a lot of things. Again, we talk about you've got to get out there on the field. You have to get in real-time game situations. But it's not like he's out there running against slouch defenses right now. He's going up against a pretty damn good defense behind a pretty damn good offensive line. Right, and he's showing like he's, he's breaking away, and he's got, he's got speed. Alex Kraft said he, look, he does look a lot like Wayne Gallman in terms of his stature, the way he runs. But he has a little bit more playmaking and open field speed. Like, you, you, you know, Wayne Gallman couldn't quite break away for some of those. He wasn't long a runs. big play guy. But Eddie and like it, it's one of those guys. It's like they, I don't think they had the coaches had no idea what they were getting, and uh, they were like, "Well, hope he, you know, hope he shows a little something." But they're like, "It's not even a thing of now." Like we're 
pleasantly surprised. That was two weeks ago. Now it's like this guy's a weapon that we're going to have at our disposal. You know, granted, we will always talk about pass protection, but the upside in his playmaking ability is just it's too grand. Like you're good, he's got to be on the field because he's that damn good. He's what you wanted from Tavian Feaster. Last, last year, year, I think, yeah. and not to say that Feaster won't be great this year. It's just like he was hurt and he was he was a little hobbled. He was a little hesitant. Edian's he's he's very aggressive. Sounds like he's got it all together. If he can get his pass blocking down, the sky's the limit for this kid. And I expect it's only a matter of time before he does. Um, so, so last thing to wrap up the offense real quick and these freshmen uh, on offensive line. They're saying Blake Vinson. He's going to travel with the team. He's on the bubble. He has a possibility, but I think that's only in a dire situation. Um, you know, Clemson, the, the, the past couple of years, have played five first-year freshmen on the offensive line. That situation is going to be different this year because there is so much depth, so they're not going to need them. So I think between Vincent, Noah DeHaan, and Matt Bockhorst, the guys come in last year, you're, not, you're going to see them redshirt and then come back in fresh to play next year. So let's turn it over to the defense real quick. We'll get to A.J. Terrell uh, here in a second. Uh, one guy that we know is not going to play is Lee Anthony Williams, and we kind of expected that. Kind of shocking surprise is Jordan Williams. Uh, we don't expect it. Uh, the coaches uh, would love it if he did not play this year, and they don't expect him to. Yeah, you, you talk about that freshman wall. That he seems like he fell victim to that, just like a ton of athleticism, but like lost it, like too much going on. And but you he's know, playing a new position, new position. Yeah, he went from defensive end to defensive tackle, but a promising, promising player, and that and that bodes well. The big surprise, and again, we don't sometimes we don't know if it's blowing smoke or what, but. Jabril Robinson, calling him a 1A. Okay, when you compare Jabril Robinson to Christian Wilkins, that is the, the definition of blowing smoke. But but I think what we could look at, like underlying thing, or the, the, the theme there would be, um, he's a good player. He's like, he's propelled himself to being a, a quality starter level type player. I, I don't know if that's true, but that, we talked about depth last, last week, a defensive tackle. Well, now you don't have to burn a red shirt for Jordan Williams, and now he gives you an extra guy in there in the fold behind or alongside Albert Huggins, and now it's Pinkney. So that I mean that bodes well. That even if he is just the fifth guy in line, then that's great. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear that that he's come along. You know, we always get one or two surprising guys each year. It looks like that it's going to be him this year. So that certainly helps to shore up depth uh, this year, especially as uh, Jordan Williams takes some more time to develop, learn the new position, and get his body. Uh, to the point where it needs to be to, to go against Division One offensive linemen. So yeah, good to hear that. Uh, another guy, another freshman on the defensive line who we, you know, maybe thought was on the bubble or wasn't going to play this year, and he is on the bubble, I guess, Justin Foster at defensive end, transitioning from linebacker from high school. Um, not going to play right away, they don't think, but it looks like that they may groom him to bring him later in the season to, pr to provide depth at the defensive end position. Uh, where we might be a little thin because of the injury to Richard Jurgen. I think this. T I think this is the most telling of what we plan to do with Christian Wilkins more than anything. Like by by sitting uh, by redshirting Jordan Williams and by not redshirting Justin Foster. I think that means Christian Wilkins is going to play at tackle all year, and they they probably want that. They want him when Dexter Lawrence, and uh, you know you're going to take your lumps potentially with Xavier Kelly, um, with Justin Foster if he if he plays. And Chris Register. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll have him as a fallback option there at strong side. But that's not. I mean, I I like that tackle combination, and I like that uh, Justin Foster. To me, that's not that's not an indictment necessarily on the depth. That's the guy is like really athletic, has really good hands apparently, and maybe in a year two he'll he'll be ready to make an impact. Well, I still think it's a stretch to say that you're not going to see Christian Wilkins out there in some capacity this year because I don't believe. It won't be till the very, very end of the season where they may feel comfortable throwing Justin Foster out there to get significant playing time. I think they'll move Christian Wilkins over uh, before that just because there's more depth at defensive tackle. But you know what? We'll see. He's a talented guy. Um, okay, so last freshman on the defense we'll talk about here, and we're actually going to uh, uh, turn that into a conversation on the cornerbacks. Let's talk about A.J. Terrell and the cornerback position. <laughs> So, AJ, I mean, kid's going to play. Uh, supremely, supremely talented. Um, just like one of those guys, like the, the margin, such a high margin for error just because he's so quick, has good hips at 6'1". Three-year player, Clemson most likely. 
But it's it's crazy how you stack him on with uh, you have Ryan Carter, you have Marcus Edmonds, you have Mark Fields, who's you know also talented, and then and then Trayvon Mullen. So what do you do? And then you proposed a great theory um, earlier this week. How to and and we've heard about this before. Are we going to be? Is Clemson going to be ahead of uh, of the fold in terms of being innovative, having multiple sets of cornerbacks that we throw out there? And it looks like because I thought I said earlier I thought AJ Terrell would start at safety. Right. But he hasn't. And that tells me that, that there is some potential for this. Yeah, and again, it's it's not my theory about going deep at cornerback. I guess we, we, we heard some talk about you know Jeff Scott discussing why they like to go so deep at wide receiver to wear out opposing cornerbacks. And then I think talk shifted to Urban Meyer and them starting to put more cornerback. Or no, it was the offensive. Was it Greg Schiano, I believe, the offensive coordinator for Ohio State? Or the defensive coordinator the, for uh, State. The, sorry, the defensive yeah. coordinator talking about how they're grooming more cornerbacks to play. Well, that got me to thinking. They're talking about, um, you know, you put Terrell cornerback. They're talking about Ray McLeod. I'm like, well, then it's it's only obvious to me that Clemson is looking within and realizing how other defenses are going to try to stop their depth at wide receiver and realize their defense needs to do the, the same thing uh, because imitation is the best form of flattery. You're going to see other teams go deeper at wide receiver to match Clemson. Clemson knows what it takes to counter that, so they're going to have to start doing it on defense themselves. So I think that's why. I don't think it's the emergence of Amari Rodgers, um, you know, at the, the two position why McLeod is going to see some snaps on defense, but I think it's just because they want to go deeper, and McLeod is just so dang talented, and he projects better in the NFL as a cornerback. Well, simply put, have you seen a wide receiver in the NFL that looks like Ray McLeod? No. No. Darren yeah. Sproles. <laughs> and he's not even a receiver. So so that I think that's the method of that madness. But I think no, I think you're right. I think it makes sense to I, I think it makes sense to have the, the a bevy of, of cornerbacks. However, with the caveat being, uh, and I read this I think in, in TI, like if you, you make one mistake as a cornerback, that could be a touchdown. You you make a mistake as a wide receiver, it's just a it's an incompletion. Something to think about, but I think the benefit for Clemson is Marcus Edmonds is, is seasoned. He, you know, he, he might not be an NFL player, probably not, but he, he's good. He knows where to be. He, he's He's been in the system now. It's his fifth year. Same for Ryan Carter. Uh, Mark Fields is still a little bit of a question mark, but has a lot of talent. And and Trayvon Mullen and, and A.J. Terrell, those guys are just get off the bus like, oh, man, the, the, that's their corner. Those are their, their cornerbacks. Like, Wake Forest would love to have receivers that look as good as those guys. So, um, we'll see. It's it's very interesting, especially with Ray Ray too moving over to cornerback. Yeah, well, and there's going to be a lot of competition. You know, they're saying that 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 how they perform in practice is going to be how they determine who starts on a weekly basis. And you talk about Mark Fields; he's the guy that they really need to get bought in because there's been questions about his work ethic. There's been questions about his maturation, and you know, you've seen it in a few of his interviews, his demeanor when asked about these things. Uh, he doesn't carry himself well. So this is a guy, it might be in his head a little bit. He's got all the talent in the world. He just needs to put it all together and then bought into this system and realize when they take him out for a series or two, it's not because of how he's playing. It's just they want to rotate a lot of these guys in because there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of talent there. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we almost sound like a broken record, though. I think this is kind of a make-or-break year for Mark Fields. Uh, talent's there. He has to know the system by now. I, I can't see that there's like a, a deficit knowledge at this point. Make it happen. Like you, you have a ton of talent. You you could you could potentially be playing in the NFL. Make it happen. Um, and and you're right. I think you're gonna they're gonna Clemson's gonna do some form of uh, sh- uh, shuffling cornerbacks in because because of the reasons you said fatigue avoiding that and um, the new modern high powered offenses. The other part of that though is. They can use it, use it as a recruiting tool to get you guys in the fold. Say, hey, we play guys. We have to rotate in. Could just be you know, a sign of the times. And heck, if, if like, like the wide receiver position itself. I mean, right. we're, we're not just throwing, running three wide receivers out there and everybody else sits on the bench. It, we have so much talent because they know they're going to play. It could be the same at cornerback. It works as a recruiting tool. Why does a guy like T. Higgins or Mario Rogers not care you know, that there's like Ray Ray McLeod, Deion Kane, DeAndre Why well, don't they care that they're ahead of them? That it's must because, be why we have so many good quarterbacks. We're just going to throw four or five guys out there. It's, the recruits it a, keep coming. It's a nice effect <laughs> that it has, apparently, yeah. But hey, I mean, they, they, they see that. I can get playing time. It's a nice recruiting tool. It's a nice pitch you can make to, to the cornerbacks in the future. Why not? I, I love the strategy, and I think there is a bit of, of 
just like common sense. It's kind of like like the bunt in baseball. Like it's stupid. Like so people like teams are not bunting anymore because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, uh, well, they've been bunting for like a hundred years. Well, I mean, like if we've discovered some strategy that just makes sense, like don't be stuck in your in your ways. And I don't think I think Brent Venables, the only thing that he is really beholden to is winning. And if he can get an advantage in any way possible, including still in still in signs, what we heard. He'll do it, and I, I love it. Well, and I really love what we're seeing here. You know, it's in the history of football, not just college, but NFL itself, the offense evolves and the defense a couple years later, whatever, reacts and makes adjustments to the offense. I love seeing a defense uh, reacting to what its own offense is doing, not what other defenses or your opposing defenses, how they evolve and react to you. I like the forward thinking. If we're starting to see this the offense and the defense come along at the same time. And I think that's a sign of great coaching and just really another sign of how well built this, this Clemson Tiger football program is. I agree. I mean, there is some merit to playing against some of the best in practice goes for offensive line. It certainly goes for defensive backs going up against guys like T Higgins. So no, I think, I think, I think you're right. It's, they've constructed things in a way that, it's it's not only lends itself to having success, it lends itself to pitching the next guys in line. Uh, good, you know, kudos, Davos Sweeney. Well, so to wrap this up, I mean, bottom line is this is not the Clemson cornerback position of the last few years where it's McKenzie Alexander and you hope somebody else steps up or it's Cordrea Tankersley and you hope somebody else steps up. You know, this is a very, very deep core of cornerbacks and you're going to see a lot of them on the field this year and I think you're going to see a lot of them flourish just because they are more talented guys and again they get bought into the system they're fresher uh, out there on the field as they rotate guys in and out that's just going to lead to better performance all the way around one more guy I've got to mention so while we're talking about cornerbacks and and the secondary um, let let me mention Isaiah Simmons he is a, a safety but also playing a little nickel we're hearing great things, great things out of this guy. And we, I think we heard from Jeff. It was either Jeff Scott or Tony Elliott during the scrimmage last week that he is the toughest guy to account for. And I think it, that was because he was playing in that nickel role at the line of scrimmage. Incredibly disruptive. Um, I think he gives you another great option at safety behind Van Smith and, and two guys over the next couple of years that are really going to be fighting it out. But you know, we've heard great things about Isaiah Simmons in terms of his, his speed, 6'4" frame everything like reminding us a little bit of J. Ron curse but maybe even more athletic yeah I mean he's you know apparently he beat Ray Ray in a 60-yard dash I mean he's a guy that even if he gets out of position he has the speed to catch up so do you think that his emergence is part of the reason that we're seeing Terrell at cornerback not necessarily um part of the reason uh, perhaps because I, I think like I think he will again contend in that the free safety role uh, after Van Smith uh, maybe even overtake him because he's that talented. But it, it is nice to have him um, move move into that nickel position and offer some things to the line of scrimmage that we, we didn't have in this last year. And, and Venables, he loves to do a lot of different things. Again, we talked about him being innovative. Putting a 6'4 guy at the line of scrimmage uh, that, that's quick like that, maybe in a blitz situation, um, it, it's it's innovative. Any, any advantage he can gain, he'll do it. Um, and, yeah, I... I am I am concerned. Maybe not, not necessarily concerned would be the word, but um, the, there's not a whole lot of depth at safety, whereas they're just locked and loaded uh, in the at cornerback. I don't know. Maybe they they just don't have the same idea. Uh, maybe because of that position, you can't have a lot of breakdowns. We've seen what happens with mental breakdowns at that position. Maybe they have no intention of well, going to. Well, a lot of talk about guys that Venables can trust, not necessarily got guys who have talent and ability. He needs to trust a guy, so maybe that plays into it. Perhaps. And you do have Kayvon Wallace. He's another guy that's floating around, too. Yeah. And can play some safety. Yeah. So, And, again, this is going to be such a complete defense this year. And we're not talking about the cornerback position to single them out as a weak spot. I think we're picking them out as we're seeing an evolution in the way uh, that teams are going to defend at that position. But then also, there's just so much talent there that you're going to play a lot of guys and when we start nitpicking at this level, that just means this is going to be a really good defense. All the, all the way around, I think this is going to be the most complete defense you've seen out of Clemson in some time. So it's about time to wrap it up here, folks. But a couple things before we go. Uh, really happy to hear that the Clemson basketball team is safe and sound after the terror attacks in Barcelona. 
and then also thoughts out to our fellow ACC members, uh, University of Virginia, uh, with everything going down in Charlottesville. And then a couple of congratulations, uh, one to punter Will Spears. Not only he won the job, but he was uh, given a scholarship by Dabo, and then also walk-on offensive lineman Pat Godfrey got a scholarship as well. You know, these guys, these aren't guys that came here because of their ability to develop here and go into the next level. These are guys that it was their dream to play for Clemson, and they've seen that come true. They've been given scholarships, so congratulations to both of them. So thanks again, guys, for sticking with us. We've got one more episode leading up until the start of the season. It will be our season preview episode, so stay tuned for that. Also, our normal host, Nick Tully, is going to have a couple of interviews, so be on the lookout for them. Again, thanks for joining us, and as always, go Tigers. And I'm, so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Really needs to get bought in on this philosophy because, you know, there's been questions about his worth ethic. Worth ethic. <laughs> worth ethic. You know, there's been questions about his worth. <laughs> He's the one that they really need to get bought in because, you know, there's been questions about his work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it again? I, I was thinking too hard and I was trying to say it.